vitamin D is crucial for sleep. It's one of the essential, and it's a hormone, even though it's called a you know vitamin. But it's, it is a hormone, so we want to be really mindful that we are ensuring that we're getting that micro-release. It's in part and parcel to then the creation of serotonin and then melatonin. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. My name is Matt Rouse and I'm your host today. And my guest today is Molly McLaughlin, who is on a mission to change the conversation around sleep. Molly, how are you? I am good. I'm really grateful to be here. This is a very cool, had a nice pre-recording dialogue. So I'm excited to you know dive into more. That's right. We'll talk more about closed circuit television and what's happening in, in the uh, AI facial recognition movement after we talk about sleep. Because like I was saying, this is the kind of stuff that keeps people up at night. Exactly. You know what? This is a different type of conversation for our podcast, too, because, I mean, usually we're talking about marketing tactics and strategy and, and you know, sales and stuff like that. But I think that it's vital that people get sleep if they're going to be effective, if they're going to be productive. And especially because I'm kind of known for being the person who doesn't sleep because of the amount of work and media and stuff I put out. But I think some of that actually is is. I, I wouldn't want to say it's a trick, but I mean, I schedule stuff to post at night when I'm asleep. So people think I'm awake because stuff comes out on social media, you know, but here, let's get right to it. Why do you want to change the conversation around sleep? Like, how did you get into this? Okay. So number one, I, the reason that I'm so passionate on this topic is because for years I saw the existence of life without a lot of sleep, did all the things not to do in the world of sleep optimization and didn't think there was much of a problem with it. It was really, it was a non-topic in my realm. I thought I was just a night owl. I was an entrepreneur, so I can make my own schedule. This is not really an issue. All the issues to think about, that was not it. So it went like that for many years. I also didn't make many connections about the fact that I was starting to get more sick regularly, you know, and and just stressed and anxious and really burning the candle at both ends. I was living in middle Manhattan with my boyfriend and working just crazy hours. So I can really relate to your story. But it didn't become a real uh, topic in my life until I went through my own period of insomnia. And when that happened, everything really kind of began to shift. And the reason for that is that this was in the beginnings of, um, you know, starting to look at traveling internationally, adding jet lag to the mix, bringing our companies on the road, lots of stress. And that was when, you know, kind of foreign land and, you know, surrounded by other languages and what have you, I just couldn't sleep. And I went to the doctors, you know, with Google Translate and left with a prescription of their version of Ambien. There was no plan. There was no kind of future to live into with, okay, you should take the short term and then you'll start beginning blah, 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 like none of that. So it, one, felt very frightening. Like, is this what I'm destined to live out my life looking like? And how do I make a difference with this? So flash forward, going very, you know, obsessively down the rabbit hole of learning about chronobiology and circadian rhythms. My sleep not only returned to where it had been, but then went to heights that I had never experienced because I just was not living within the rhythms of nature for so very long. 
And so from that place, getting to see how life is without sleep and then with really in 2020, certainly or beyond exceptional sleep, the experience of my life is totally different. And then the same for my clients that I've worked with, just getting to see that measure, measurable difference with uh, sleep tech. It's like night and day for, you know, <laughs> puns, puns galore, but <laughs> So you mentioned the kind of rhythms of nature. Do you want to kind of explain a little more about that? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So a lot of what I'm working with people on is how to something called circadian rhythm entrainment. And what that is, is getting in alignment with those rhythms. So as, as human beings, we function on this 24 hour rhythm and clock. And when we deviate from that, then we see lots of troubles and problems coming up. So as diurnal creatures, we are meant to be active during the day and at rest at night. And in that example I used from before I went through this with my sleep, I was upside down. So I would be active, you know, doing all my work late in the wee hours of the morning and then sleeping in those daylight hours. So number one, it's realigning with the very thing that we've been doing for thousands and thousands of years, bringing kind of that connection back. But then, of course, being mindful that it is, you know, 21st century, so how to live within a line with that. But so circadian rhythm entrainment looks at there's a lot of things that will act as a cue on our circadian rhythm to either make it weaker or stronger. And there's a lot of those things. But if we look at just two, light and temperature are the things that we're really paying attention to. And so first off, if you get nothing out of this conversation, my big takeaway would be that you're game aiming to really wildly up the level of light exposure that you're getting throughout the day, particularly first thing in the morning. And, you know, that was something that I did exactly backwards for so many years. And what that does is it will anchor your sleep wake cycle in a way that from that first shot, the largest shot of light that you're getting 16 hours later, you can anticipate that you'll be getting sleepy and you'll be going to sleep. But if you're not getting that large shot until much later in the day, like I used to, uh, it really throws off those signaling mechanisms. But why do we care? It's because it impacts so many function, the overall functionality of our body, even from a physiological perspective, also psychological perspective, and that, and then even waistline perspective. You know, leptin and ghrelin get all out of whack. Blood sugar levels get all unstable. And then cardiovascular health, something called lymphatic drainage, which is the drainage process of your brain, human growth hormone, you know, just the list is really endless of how many places that it impacts. I used to be a night owl, right? I, I would stay up working till three or four in the morning, you know, sleep until 10 or 11 in the morning, also not getting enough sleep, right? You know, I didn't really kind of curb that until I started working for myself, you know, 100% full time and just looking and saying, look, I am not productive enough. I cannot get enough done. And also, you know, the kind of I don't I don't know if other people have this. I I've definitely got it where I would be like a bit a bit flighty and, and not good at keeping attention on my task that I'm doing. Right. I am 10 times more productive now that I get a reasonable amount of sleep every night and I go to bed at the same time. And I get up at the same time, roughly. Right. I get up early in the morning. You know, some of that is because my daughter's four and she gets up at between five and six a.m. every day. 
Yes, that will help. Nice alarm. That helps. But so let me ask you this. I have people who tell me they swear that they are more productive at night. Night is their time kind of thing. And they sleep until 11 or noon, just like I used to. And I say, no, I'm way more productive now. Is there a way that those people can tell that making a switch would make them sleep better? I guess is the question. If you already think you're good where you're at, how do you know that you you're better off doing it the right way? Yeah, really good points. And, and I was one of those people. I was convinced that that's when I get into my zone and the whole world's quiet. I can focus, you know, and one of the things that we're paying a lot of attention to to optimize sleep is the arc of your cortisol throughout the day. So if you're kind of aligned with those rhythms that we we're talking about during the daylight hours, you see often the cortisol levels peaking and like natural caffeine kind of for us to do all the things we got to do and then dropping in the evening. But often when we are kind of out of whack or out of alignment with those circadian rhythms, those rhythms can flow in a different way. And then you can be experiencing, you might actually have, it might really be sure that might be the, maybe the lowest period of cortisol that you're getting and you're able to really focus, or you might be there's you know kind of this reverse cortisol effect that and this is something that I had where I was you know getting more kind of amped up before sleep which is the exact opposite of what you're looking to achieve but in those for those people then they might be able to okay I can take this on let's do this let's go and feel creative and all of that so what I'm making the argument around is that for so long we have if we look at a real timeline of human history for you know, this thousand, thousand years as hunter gatherers, you know, we would be rising with the sun and just be unequivocally clear if you're really living outside of elements of nature that the temperature would rise and the sun is rising. And then the light that would just be kind of undeniable that that would wake you up. And so then you would be awake for that short period of time. You knew you had to get all the stuff that you need to get done during daylight hours. And then when the sun would set along with the absence of light, then would be the dip in temperature. So those are such clear cues. And so I'm making this argument that since basically Edison, you know, the late 1800s, which is in the, on that timeline, a very, very small amount of time that suddenly we've been able to augment our days in such a very, in a way that in a Darwinian perspective, we certainly haven't been able to adapt to in such a short period of time. So what that looks like is then instead, what could that be for that person that believes that that's their most creative time if they then are pulling in some of these elements of these external cues that teach our body what time to be on? So I think that so many of us have been so pulled away from this way of being that we are not even connected to what that could look like. And I'm not saying there's not delineations or differences between people, there still could certainly be an, an element to that. But when you're getting into those extreme sides of the spectrum, I think there's an opportunity to look at what could happen, even from an experimental standpoint, if you were to align all those things and they would really fit. So what are some of the symptoms that people have if they're not sleeping enough or maybe they're not getting good sleep? Yeah, great question. You know, so when people come to sleep as a skill, they'll often be complaining of, I just wake up and no matter how much sleep I get, I just still feel tired. 
you know, I'm dragging through the day, whether I have to you know, rely on caffeine or naps or, you know, this and the other to kind of just make it. But then it's so frustrating because then once I get to the bedtime, it's either difficult to sleep onset, the ability to fall asleep, sleep kind of fragmentation, waking up repeatedly throughout the night, and then difficulties with management of the wake up times of whether they have this, you know, big swings and when they're waking up and when they're getting up early and just kind of saying, screw it, I'm up. So from that place, then they're just having this experience of not feeling rested, rejuvenated. And then even for those that are like, oh, I said, fine. I think there's, we're in this interesting time where now we can have this marriage of technology, even though, you know, I'm saying that so much of the problem began from technology at the same time. You know, it's not going anywhere. So how can we use it to our advantage? So I think what I've found is that I have every single client wearing some sort of sleep tracker from a perspective that are they as good as a polysonogram? Absolutely not. But they are fairly reliable at uh, spotting when you're asleep and when you're awake. So just that sleep-wake element of things. So it basically creates an automated sleep diary versus the old school advice to kind of keep this manual log that we used to be told. So that kind of gets automated. But now we also have the ability to track nocturnal heart rate variability, which can be a really great indicator of the autonomic nervous system and how your levels of stress, as well as heart rate, body temperature. For women, that can be a really helpful one to understand the impact of our cycles on our sleep. And then you can also get connected to your respiratory rate. So I've had people that have, from these trackers, been able to have it be pretty clear to them that something's out of alignment with, say, their respiratory rate. So they had people that have discovered they've had some form of sleep apnea or obstructed breathing, whether in the mild, moderate, severe side of things, from using, you know, kind of an external variable to look at what, or external measurement system to look at where they're landing in their sleep. So... Those are some of the ways that we can get a sense of, even if you have the sense of, oh, okay, I sleep all right, when we have the, the data, then we can see what might not be working as well as it could, so we can t- kind of take it to the next level. So if somebody can improve their sleep, what are kind of some of the advantages that they get beyond just, you know, not being tired? Yeah, great question. So a couple of things. One is really the stabilization of a lot of our hormones that make a difference in our experience of life. So one, we spoke about that cortisol and melatonin connection. They're really kind of tightly coupled. So being able to bring some normalcy to the rise of that in the, in the daytime and the drop of that in the evening and then the consistency of the rise in melatonin in the evening. And going back to that whole concept of light being so important, what's the flip side of light is darkness. So if melatonin is known as the hormone of darkness, so anytime you want to increase your melatonin, you want to increase your darkness. So ensure that you're really surrounding yourself with darkness in the evening post-sunset. So once you get those normalized, in addition to that, glucose gets normalized. I have people wearing continuous glucose monitors 24-7 will get readouts, including their sleep, and that can be a big source of sleep wake-ups. So the instability in the glucose can wake people up really reliably in the evening. So when we stabilize that, that kind of eliminates that concern. Then for that waistline conversation, normalizing leptin and ghrelin, so those hunger and satiety hormones 
are functioning in a way that's more conducive to us to be able to, you know, make healthy choices. And then what's getting a lot of press more recently is this understanding of something called lymphatic drainage. And lymphatic drainage is basically the drainage system of the brain while we're in specifically deep sleep. So that's the first stage of sleep. So if we're able to take advantage of that lymphatic drainage, the big kind of correlation, the, the reason it's got a lot of press is that it looks to be connected to our ability to stave off things, uh, neurodegenerative issues. So Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, things like that. Because when we flush out the brain, then we're flushing out these amyloid beta plaques that harden and kind of really look reminiscent of people that are dealing with Alzheimer's. And you look at those two brains and there's a lot of kind of alarming correlations with that. So that's just one other area for so long. It was kind of this disease that we wouldn't quite know one of the things that we could do to prevent to such degree. And this is something you can begin tonight. All right. So now you have a podcast also, the Sleep is a Skill podcast, and I'm going to browse through some of the episodes. You have all kinds of like doctors and scientists and people on there, obviously, who who have some some knowledge in these things. How much do you think of kind of sleep science and stuff? How How far has it come, you know, recently? It seems like there's a lot more available now than any information there really was even like 20 years ago. Oh, such a good point. Yes. Uh, I was at CES, the kind of big tech event earlier this year when big events were allowed. During that time, one of the biggest areas, or uh, certainly one that made a big hit, was the sleep tech area. And because this conversation around how can we make more of a difference with our sleep through using technology is a really big deal. We're kind of, you know, on the precipice of this period in which we can begin to bring more accessibility to things like that gold standard polysonogram. And of course, we're not there yet, but we have certain things that help to bring the average person into this conversation. So there's that. But also, just a couple of years ago, the Nobel Prize went to three guys looking, understanding the around this working of circadian biology and understanding that we have these circadian rhythms and what happens kind of when we go off course with that. So now that things are starting to get more and more pressed, there's things like the connection of when we eat and when that, how that acts as a cue to our circadian rhythms. And, you know, understanding that even just the management of, say, circadian rhythm intermittent fasting, which is a fancy series of words of basically eating between sunrise and sunset, so things like this are really beginning to get into the general population, which I think that was the problem before. Because so much of it was, okay, I guess when it gets to the worst of the worst, it's just so unequivocally clear, then I'll go to a sleep lab. But now there's even companies like Lofta that will send you at home sleep tests so that you don't have to go into a sleep lab. Some people get really anxious about it, stress, what have you. So it just arrives and then you send it back and then a doctor will go through the data and see if there's anything kind of out of the norm. You know, just more and more ways to make this so that it's not a monetary divide. And then even just from a conversational perspective, the fact that now more and more people are actually taking a look at this. And I believe, finally, one of the things is just changing the narrative. I think for so long, there was that kind of sleep when you're dead, like pull yourself out of your foot. 
bootstraps, work late, get up early, blah, blah, blah. And it seems as if we're beginning to change that to a degree. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I, I definitely used to go under the, you know, work until you drop kind of uh, narrative. You know, I found that I, I just, I get so much more done and my work is better with more sleep. I didn't have problems sleeping. I just stayed up at night until I couldn't sleep anymore. Exactly. I love that you're speaking of the, the productivity because I know I didn't really touch on that, but that's a huge one. And also just our aptitude for making less mistakes. And that becomes really crucial in some of the testing, looking at pilots and people that are driving regularly, all of these things, you know, it's not a small issue. And so just that cognitive abilities and the cognitive aptitude that we're able to achieve when we sleep sufficiently is a big, big deal. So it's a really good point. Right. And it could be a safety issue, right? For people who are long haul truckers and people in construction. And, and I mean, just yesterday, somebody fell asleep driving a big truck and crashed off the freeway just south of my house. You know, this kind of stuff happens all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. People are taking caffeine pills to stay awake and, you know, who knows what else, right? I mean, it can be really bad for people in the long run, not just the lack of sleep, but the other things that people do to stay awake are also not good for them. Yeah, and you're speaking of something really important. It's a big topic. So one area of study is chronopharmacology and understanding the timing of when we take certain drugs, even if you put into that category alcohol, caffeine, the more popular drugs, but then certainly just the huge surge in many different prescription drugs and then also even supplements and how all of these things, if we're not going in with a a decent amount of knowledge can have adverse effects. And so even on the topic of when people say are not sleeping and then they're at their wit's end, so they go to their doctor, they get these sleeping aids, and then without kind of similar to my story with no clear end insight or plan, then you get these people that one of the things we see time and time again is that sedation effect of the sleep that you get on those. And the following day, you're out quite possibly on the road and depending on the size of the person, you know, small women, the ability to metabolize some of these substances, you really might still have some of that in you. It's not it's a very common problem. And then we see more and more problems safety-wise with that, for one. A number of other you know, kind of social and interpersonal problems as, as well. Another thing, I mean, we were, we interviewed someone who's a counselor on the show before, who had talked about sleep and how it can affect people's anxiety issues, depression, and other issues that can affect your business. I know we're predominantly a business podcast. It can exasperate issues like, you know, getting being easily irritated and yelling at your staff and, you know, or your, you know, whoever you do business with or your ability to handle stressful situations, which is important. Huge. I actually just interviewed on the podcast and releasing it probably next week with this psychiatrist out of New York who was speaking to, so she's part of a group of psychiatrists that are looking at more and more behavioral changes that you can make to 
improve things like anxiety, bipolar, depression, all of those. And she makes the argument or has a theory that, you know, some people that are experiencing these swings, whether it be depressive bouts, anxiety bouts, bipolar, what have you, that there's a particular sensitivity to those rhythms and to that light that we're talking to, to that temperature that we're talking to, all of those things. So for people that are looking to manage without drugs and certainly also with drugs, but particularly important without drugs, then getting very, very cued up into their sleep habits because that can be such a clear trigger point when those start going awry that things get more and more tricky. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you, on your website, you have something called the Sleep Reset? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in the beginning of this year, we started running cohorts for that. And that's been such an awesome experience because so every single person that does it, one thing that requires that they do have a sleep tracker. For most people, we have them wearing the Aura Rings with O-U-R-A and get no affiliation at all. But it just acts as a great place to have a whole dashboard of everyone's sleep stats. So then we can be daily in the conversation with them to see when things start going awry and just sort of like bring that back. And then working within these frameworks, so we're working within circadian rhythm entrainment, which I know I mentioned is light and temperature, but nestled underneath temperatures, all these things that will impact that temperature. So that stuff like meal timing, meal type, the exercise timing, exercise type, Social interactions, so something really problematic for many of us is known as social jet lag, so where we'll, you know, have maintained a pretty solid sleep schedule for a big chunk of the week, but then all that comes the weekends or, you know, just start veering off and then you see many hours of difference between the bedtime and wake time and then you're basically creating jet lag for yourself. So we help kind of bring that back online as well as thought timing. So training ourselves when we see that there's persistent rumination in the evenings, it's a big problem for many of us that have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. It's a hyper aroused brain state. So we start really taking the actions to bring those rumination patterns into the day so we can actually deal with them. So a lot of it is all grounded within that technology accountability and behavioral change day after day after day. And that's a 60 day um, process that we, you know, so two weeks of it is, you know, the prep and kind of change your environment, really work on all the things that we need to set up powerfully. And then for 45 days is the kind of daily accountabilities where we start to see pattern spot. What is, are some of the tendencies that bring us off course so that we can bring it on back. So it's been a phenomenal experience. And then we're actually going to be re-releasing fresh video content for the course, but it's all interactions too with actual people. So we can look at your sleep together. Nice. And one thing I wanted to mention is, so I was, as this is slightly off topic, but so I was, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about travel hacks is their thing. One of the travel hacks that came up that that seems to actually be pretty common in people who are on like a speaking circuit or they're traveling for sales is they buy packages of stickers and they put them over all of the tiny little lights that are on everything in the hotel rooms. Totally. Yeah. So that they can actually get get darkness when they want it to be dark at night. I thought that was super interesting because you were talking about the kind of light dark thing. Also, you know. Getting some sunlight is not going to hurt you in coronavirus time because you need that vitamin D. 
And vitamin D is crucial for sleep. It's one of the essential, and it's a hormone, even though it's called a you know vitamin. But it's, it is a hormone, so we want to be really mindful that we are ensuring that we're getting that micro-release. It's in part and parcel to then the creation of serotonin and then melatonin later on in the evening. So 110%. And for those people looking to improve their immunity, absolutely. Yeah, I saw a, a study on Google Scholar about that. And they were talking about how people who had low vitamin D seem to get worse when they got the virus, like compared to people who didn't have low vitamin D who got the virus didn't have as bad of symptoms. So that was interesting. I'm not a doctor, by the way. Look up your own information. Ask your own doctor. So my guest is Molly McLaughlin. The website and podcast is Sleep is a Skill or sleepisaskill.com. Molly, is that the best way to reach out to you? Yes. Yeah, that's perfect. So Sleep is a Skill acts as a big kind of bucket of all the things that are available there. So you can download a PDF there for free that's called the Optimized Bedroom. It has all these strategic things that you can do both technology-wise and then low-tech-wise to improve your sleep environment. We have a weekly newsletter every single Monday. It goes out. I call it the most obsessive sleep newsletter on the planet where it's just going to town on all the things sleep-related. And then we have, of course, the course and then the podcast. You can also take a sleep assessment there and then you'll get, you know, real feedback on so actual human being giving feedback on where your sleep is at. Some of the things you can do to make a difference there. Perfect. So get some more sleep, people. Molly, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.